Here we go, here we go. Welcome to Police Pod Talk. Whoop, whoop, it's the police. Don't look in your rearview mirror. This podcast covers the latest police news, along with hitting the hot topics you've been talking about all week. I'm your host, Cleveland. Thank you for joining us. Hey folks, welcome back to Police Pod Talk, and hopefully you had a wonderful holiday uh, break there with Christmas and uh, New Year, but uh, we're starting out the new year this year. We're going to be speaking with Detective Joe Lyon with the Fort Wayne Police Department, and Joe, you can say hello to the people out there so they know you're here. Hi folks. All right, just the high folks. That's all we're going to get right now. <laughs> but I've known uh, Detective Lyon for quite some time, and uh, we're going to talk with him because he does something just a little bit special uh, being a detective. Uh, his role is kind of a neat role, but we're going to walk through Joe's life and uh, how he got on the police department, when he got on, the different places he's been, and different jobs he's worked. But the one that he's working right now is really neat, and I, I'm, we're, we'll get to that. So, Joe, I'm going to turn yes, turn the mic over to you and let you just go through your life, and I'll ask you a few questions. Just go ahead and start. When did you get started on the uh, police department? Um, I was sworn in October 12th of 1995, mm-hmm. um, and I've been with the Fort Wayne PD ever since. I uh, just celebrated my 25-year anniversary with them and uh, have enjoyed every minute of it. it. This is really, being a police officer is all I've ever wanted to do since I was about eight years old. Wow. Uh, so I, I'm kind of living, uh, literally living the dream that I've had. <laughs> so what was it, 1 Adam 12? Tell me you saw 1 Adam 12. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I know. I, I, hey, you know, I'm old enough I remember watching that show. Uh, so, um it's just, it, it's one of those things I, I really have difficulty explaining to folks why. It's just mm-hmm. something that in my brain I wanted to do. I, I'd had, as a kid, um, when I was about eight, we were living in St. Louis at the time. And I met uh, both a St. Louis County and a St. Louis City police officer going to the Cardinals games and things like that. And they, they were just impressive human beings. And that I guess maybe that's where it came from. Mm-hmm. Um, they, they were just larger than life, right. treated me like I was a king, and it just really set in my mind that that's what I want to be. Wow. Wow. So th- that was the one thing. It wasn't a TV show. It was meeting someone real. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, just, just meeting an actual police officer and him, uh, just treating me like an equal, uh, not talking down to me, just, uh, and, and seeming to be actually interested in what I had to say. Wow. So that, that was what, uh, just kind of sitting back thinking about it is just, that was what I wanted to do. I wanted to be that kind of person. Right. So when you came on back in 95, I mean, you started out as a patrolman, give, give us a walk through that. I was, uh, yeah, a patrolman. I did five years on the uh, night shift, uh, both uh, southeast, uh, the downtown district, when we had that, and then northeast. Uh, and then I switched to day shift for five years. And in that, I, I, I saw a little bit of everything, all the city at, at that time because I was so low on the totem pole. I got moved around a lot. Uh-huh. Uh, but then uh, settled into a, a district car in, in the northeast quadrant of town. Mm-hmm. And uh, then. After about 10 years, after I started losing foot chases was when I decided <laughs> uniform might not be the place for me anymore uh, because, you know, the bad guys were always 17 and I was getting older and they're not quite as fast. So, uh, so I had to uh, bite the bullet and I went up to the detective bureau. Um, 
So, so wait, was, is that where all the old cops go? They end up in the DB? Apparently, yeah, back then it was. Uh, it just, I, I just, I just realized I, I'm not as fleet of foot as I used to be, and um, and in some cases I was getting embarrassed. That's how how bad it was, and, and I was just like, I can't do this anymore. Um, so I went up to the detective bureau and uh, got put into the property crime section, uh, investigating burglaries and thefts, mm-hmm. and found I had just a little bit of a nose for that. I was able to kind of. A, put the puzzles together as it were and uh got some really good arrests got noticed and uh, after about uh four years doing that um the detective bureau formed uh the street crimes unit and i was asked to be a part of that and for two years that it was all i lived it was it was just the the dream job within the detective bureau we, we arrested so many burglars in that case and i don't think the streets were ready for for us when we came out because we kind of right. threw the rule book to the side um and did things our way the way mm-hmm. we thought it should be done i mean within the bounds of the law of course oh, but, yeah, yeah. Uh, um i mean we, we would we would run some scams on these bad guys and get them and get confessions and got long sentences and it truly made the city just a little bit safer. Right. And, uh, and during all that, we had, uh, a switch in, uh, our pawn shop software and I got good at it. And then in 96, I'm sorry, two, no, not 96. Good God. Um, <laughs> it was only one year. <laughs> yeah. Um, in, um, when it's 16, yeah, 16, the uh, guy who was running the pawn shop, just all pawn shop detail, just all of a sudden up and retired. And um, like I said, by that point, I got really good at running the system. And when, um, because he was always so backed up, the guys would bring me their stuff to run real quick. And I had no problem doing it. Well, wait, we, we got to slow you down because I know there's some okay. people out there going, boy, he's going really fast. I'm sorry. <laughs> They said, what the heck is a pawn shop? What, what, what is all that? Explain how that, I mean, I know someone left, someone retired. What was right. that position? What were the, what was their responsibilities? So, yeah, what the, what the PD did is they had one guy in the detective bureau who coordinated with all the pawn shops and secondhand dealers in town. Uh, we do have an ordinance in town that governs them, and so we had somebody that was in charge of that. And in, in the old days, what they used to do is they'd bring a floppy disk in every day with the previous day's transactions on it mm-hmm. that he, that, that detective could then review to see if he could find stolen items. Um, in, uh, 93, 94, we switched to a service called leads online mm-hmm. and, uh, they're a company based out of Dallas and the pawn shops every night, um, hit a, do a keystroke on their computer as they're locking up and it automatically uploads the daily business into leads online. And then the next day I can see it. Right. Um, and the other great thing is leads online is linked to NCIC. So if, when they get these records, they automatically run every serial number they receive through NCIC. And if there's a match, they notify the pawn detective that, Hey, you got something stolen at this pawn shop. Wow. Now that that happens everywhere across the what just it's, Indiana they, or where is it at? No, they are a nationwide company. Currently, okay. uh, just about twenty seven hundred law enforcement agencies subscribe to it, 
they monitor close to 13,000 businesses nationwide. Wow. Um, now, for example, I mean, if, if folks have seen um, the, the Pawn Stars show on the History Channel, um, I can see what the, what business the Pawn Stars are doing mm-hmm. uh, because they, they are uploading into Leads Online. Mm-hmm. Um, now, this is... Leads Online is is a service that the police department has to pay for, but the businesses, it's free. Um, But not every business is going to voluntarily do that. Mm -hmm. So entities like Fort Wayne, we have an ordinance in place that, and there's language within the ordinance that they have to do this. Mm -hmm. Uh, So when when it first started, uh, there was a lot of pushback. Uh, but since then, everybody's on board with it because it's an, it makes it an equal playing field. Right. Right. So kind of walk me through it. Let's say someone went into a pawn shop with, um, I don't know, something that they like an Xbox. Let's put it, let's make it easy because game systems are incredibly, um, common items. Okay. Um, how does it work? Okay. So say, um, bad guy has broken into a house and stolen a, an Xbox and they want to make some quick cash. So they will go to a pawn shop and either pawn it or sell it. There are two different transactions they can do. If they're pawning it, they are obtaining a 90 day loan on that Xbox. And, and to be honest, it's for pennies on the dollar basically. Mm-hmm. But it's, as far as the bad guy's concerned, it's free money because he didn't spend anything for this, except for a little bit of time to get this <laughs> right. Xbox. Right. Um, now, so if, if, if he does pawn it, he is pledging to make monthly interest payments on that loan in order to gain ownership of that Xbox. If he does not do it after 90 days, he forfeits on that loan, and then the pawn shop becomes the owner of the Xbox. Now, does that now, does that happen a lot where they just give up the item? Sure, sure it does. It is. It, it happens very often. Um, and, and frankly, that's that's one of our red flags is I can check somebody who has a lengthy history with the pawn shop to see what their pickup rate is like. Mm-hmm. And, if it, and if it's a low percentage of pickup, then that's a red flag. That's something like, well, then something's up here. Mm-hmm. Um, and we need to look into that person just a little bit deeper. Um, so if they... If they're not going to pawn it, then they sell it. Now that it's just like it sounds, it's it's a sales transaction. The pawn shop is buying that item from the bad guy, and they are immediately becoming the owner of that that item. Okay. And then the bad guy walks out with his money. Okay. Now, do they have to give up ID or anything when they're doing? They that? do. They have to give up a state issued photo ID, and they also have to, at the end of the transaction, put a thumbprint on the pawn ticket or the purchase ticket. So the thumbprint, where does that go? Well, it stays with the pawn shop until I, if I have to seize that pawn ticket, um, because with every, if, if, if I am able to prove that the Xbox that the bad guy has sold is in fact stolen, I seize not only the Xbox, but the associated purchase ticket with mm-hmm. it. The purchase ticket is then secured in our property room. And I request that the Fort Wayne police department fingerprint lab take a look at that fingerprint to see if we can confirm that, yep, that is that bad guy. Hmm. Um, not, not, I mean, sure, he's presented his ID, but now we've got absolute 100% proof that that guy did that transaction. You right. know, because you know, people just don't walk around with extra thumbs in their pockets. So. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I saw a mobster movie one. Oh, forget it. That's not yeah, the same yeah. thing. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> okay, so... They've gone in, they've exchanged it, they've walked out with the money, it was probably stolen, 
when do you get notified? How long? Um, well, it, if so, say Mr. John Q. Public comes home from work, finds that his house has been broken into, and he's missing his Xbox. He contacts the Fort Wayne Police Department, makes a police report for a burglary, uh, lists the Xbox as stolen. If we're lucky, he's got the serial number for that Xbox. Mm-hmm. Every, every game system that's been that's made by either Microsoft or Sony has a unique serial number. Um, it, it's not only both on the units, but it's also on the boxes. Um, so we, one of the things we try to tell folks is if you're not going to keep the box, at least cut out that little piece of cardboard that's got the serial number on it and put it somewhere safe. Ah. Um, all right. And then if, Lord forbid, you get do, do get burglarized, we can take that serial number, we load that into NCIC. When the pawn shop uploads the transaction into Leads Online, Leads Online is automatically comparing that information uh, with uh, NCIC. Mm-hmm. If there's a match, and again, those are unique serial numbers. So the Xbox that I have has a serial number that nobody else is going to have. So I can trace that, that Xbox to a specific person. Mm-hmm. Um once Leads Online does make that connection, they then forward that information directly to my Leads Online account. And every morning when I come in, um, there's a there's a section of Le- Leads Online that I push. It's called NCIC hits. Simple, and uh, they they show me every single NCIC hit that they've got that comes back to my agency. Mm, okay, so it's really important for the uniform officer to make sure they ask those questions are get those numbers later right yes yes we we stress that basically from day one of the academy uh you know the types of investigations they're going to be working and then that of course continues on in their in an officer's uh uh, field service training and also in through in service get Mm -hmm. those serial numbers Mm -hmm. if they don't have a serial number but they think they can get it leave behind an additional law form that those folks can then document themselves and send it into us. Mm-hmm. Um, and a piece of property will, that we upload into NCIC will stay in NCIC for a period of three years. So if it shows up in a pawn shop in Nevada, all of a sudden I'm getting a hit. Wow. Okay. Um, I, it, th- this service is incredible. I've, I've brought stolen guitars back from Seattle, Washington. Hmm. Um, I've sent stuff from Fort Wayne that ended up in Fort Wayne back to other agencies outside of the state. Hmm. Um, it, it, I do a lot of work for smaller agencies around Allen County mm-hmm. uh, just because it, Fort Wayne has the pawn shops and these other smaller towns don't. So right. that's where they, they come into Fort Wayne. Right. So you don't get to travel and go pick the stuff up? <laughs> oh, I, I do. In some cases, I do if they're close enough. Close enough. Um, oh, I'm talking yeah. about going out to Vegas and picking something no, up. No, that I don't do. I, oh. I, uh, <laughs> but because because Leeds Online has a yearly conference, I know most of my co- counterparts across the nation. Oh, okay. Uh, so I mean, we've met at these conferences every year and, and exchanged war stories, exchanged uh, personal information. <laughs> that way they can uh, they can contact me immediately and say, hey, I got something out there, and I can get, go grab it and set, ship it to them. And then they do the same for me. Right. Okay. We've gone through the holiday season. People have Mm -hmm. these new gifts and everything that they're giving their kids. What advice? Go over the advice that they should be doing. Give them the tips. All right. Uh, first of all, document the serial numbers. Like I said, if it's a, if it's one of the new PS5s or the Sony, the new um, um, Xboxes that have come out, mm-hmm. on the unit itself will be a sticker with a serial number. Mm-hmm. Um, or you can get it off the box. Document that on paper 
or put it into a thumb drive. Do not save it on your computer. Do not save it in your on your desktop. Every 45 seconds in the United States, in the United States, a laptop is stolen. So don't save it on that. Save it on a thumb drive. Oh. Uh, thumb thumb drives contain enormous amounts of space that you can put all kinds of information on. Hmm. Uh, if if the guys out there are buying little sparklies for the wives, take a picture of it. Take a couple pictures of it and save it on that thumb drive. I can identify it. Jewelry is very difficult to identify to a specific person, but if I've got a picture, it helps immensely. Hmm. Um, so document all that. Once you get to the point where all the boxes have been opened, stuff's been taken out, break those boxes down. Take a take an X-Acto knife or something and cut those boxes up into smaller pieces and bury them deep in either your recycle bin or your trash can. Don't advertise to the bad guys what you just got, what you just brought in your house, or what you got for Christmas by just setting it out in the trash because the the box doesn't fit in your trash can. Ah, okay. Take a minute, break them down, and then put them somewhere where they can't see it, and then put a whole bunch of trash on top of it so they're not they're not going to be all that whipped about getting into your trash can and finding out what oh. is in the house. Okay. Um, it, take pictures of like i said take pictures of your jewelry take pictures of your items take pictures of, of your serial numbers if you have to but do something to document your items hmm. that way you are way ahead of the curve even if you don't get burglarized or you don't have a theft you know we do live in tornado alley so next summer if the f5 comes through and blows half of fort wayne into ohio <laughs> You're going to want to have an insurance claim. Now you've got a, a complete listing on a thumb drive of the stuff that you've lost that you can hand over to your claims adjuster and you get your check that much quicker. Ah, okay. Um, or, God forbid, you have a fire. It, it just, I mean, there's things you can do to protect yourself, protect your property, and be made somewhat whole again in a much quicker fashion. Hmm. Well, that, that's good. See, I used to just put the box that uh, I'd get my wife for Christmas, that toaster, out to the curb. So I was bragging to the neighbors. I at least got her a toaster. <laughs> yeah, and then all of a sudden your toaster comes up missing because you've been bragging to the neighbors. I think she threw it out. <laughs> uh, yeah, just break them down. That, it, it takes it takes less than five minutes. Uh, just break it down. Uh, fold it up into a small, if you have to, fold it along the creases and then step on it a couple times and right. then shove it way down deep in your trash can. Right. Um, I, I locked a guy up. Uh, for burglary and he told me in the interview the reason he was picking those houses because folks were leaving stuff out and he knew what they were what he was looking for wow wow okay well those are good tips those are, those yeah. are that's good information now let's say someone takes something that is stolen and they take it into just a normal uh, jewelry store is it are you able to get it back from there it's not a pawn shop it's a jewelry store Yes, I am, because if they are buying off the street, they're now considered a second-hand store, and that falls into the same ordinance with the pawn shops. Oh, okay. okay. So, for example, a um, place up on the north side of town is called Mega Replay. You, you go in, you can buy game systems, you buy video games, you buy movies, you buy all that. Well, you can sell all that stuff there, too. So, I do, unfortunately, I'm in Mega Replay quite a bit, uh, oh. <laughs> recovering all these game systems that are going in there. 
Um, not so much at GameStop anymore. GameStop used to be big, but GameStop now is if it's just a plain Xbox 360, they won't even look at it now. It has to be an Xbox One or bigger. Mm-hmm. Um, so the, the, a lot of these older video game systems that are coming up missing, if they're not ending up on Facebook, they're ending up at Mega Replay. Mm-hmm. Now, how does the store get their money back? They get uh, listed as a victim in the case report, and then once the prosecution has been completed, uh, there's something called restitution, and then they are listed as the victim for restitution. Because I've, I've made the original victim whole again by giving them their stuff back. Mm. So they're not out anything anymore. Okay, I'm, I'm with but you. N- so now the business is going to be out for 30 40 bucks, and then hopefully they get that back in restitution. Now, do you deal with a lot of bookstores, used bookstores? No, not really, because the bookstores, unless they are accepting electronics, fall outside of the ordinance. Um, When we were setting this ordinance up, and we've rewritten it a couple times, uh, that was brought up. You know, so a place like Half Price Books or Hyde Brothers or something like that. If if Hyde Brothers is only dealing in books, there's really no way to trace the ownership unless somebody's written their name in it. You know, um, and then we were kind of at the mercy of, of Hyde Brothers to call us to say, hey, we think we have something that might belong to somebody else. Mm-hmm. Um, now, at half price books, they will accept some electronics. So they have to document that serial number and, and submit it to Leeds Online. OK, I just remember back in the day um, at the university when a kid bought a book and, you know, those books were two, three hundred dollars book for sure. a class. Oh, yeah. That number was there was a number on the book that was registered to the kid. And if it went to a bookstore, then they would say, hey, we got this book. And we say, do you have book number whatever? And they would actually find the book of who right. who brought it in with their ID. So right. I, I don't know who handles that. Just your regular detectives or property crimes or who takes care of that? Well, again, again, well, the place that was just south of IPFW uh, is no longer in business. So, and that was probably the folks you were dealing with the most because right. they were closest to campus. Right. Uh, so they're not in business anymore. Um, the uh, I, I know half price books. I, they rarely take in textbooks. Um, I, I know Jade very well. We've dealt on together on a few occasions, and so what they're bringing in is normal. You know. Daniel Steele and Tom Clancy books. Okay. Um, Hyde Brothers, they're more interested in some of the more older books. So textbooks are not really a thing anymore. Um, and especially since, I mean, colleges have come forward where you really don't have books anymore. It's all online. <laughs> ah, true, true. I, I guess I just showed my age there. Okay. <laughs> right. <laughs> okay. Hey, a couple of years ago, I happened to be driving and I heard on the radio you were on, I think it was like 88.3. I don't remember what it was. But you were talking about or you were given an, an award for the number of um, items you had returned, how much money you had returned to different businesses. Do you know what I'm talking about or you remember that yeah, at all? Yeah, my recovery rate. Um, okay. It, since I've taken over, I've recovered $1.4 million worth of property. Wow. By myself. Um, and that's a lot of Xboxes. <laughs> um, now, I mean, you know, some years I, I do better than others. Um, but then again, the, the one big year I had, I had an internal theft at a jewelry store and mm-hmm. I was able to recover just shy of 175 grand worth of jewelry. Um, so yeah, I, I had a very good year that year. Mm-hmm. Um, but it, it, it fluctuates from year to year. 
Um, right now, I'm for for 2020. I'm right at about a hundred thousand mm-hmm. uh, dollars, which is about my average. Uh, I usually recover anywhere from a hundred to one hundred twenty thousand dollars worth of property every year. Okay, give me the percentage. What percentage rate of a of burglaries and you recover the property? Well, and, and that's it, for the FBI UCR, the clearance rate of a property crime, and by clearance, they mean either an, an arrest or recovery of property is at 12% nationwide. 12%. Uh, 12%. Um, and now locally, we do better than that because we've got some really dedicated uh, property crimes detectives, or we have cooperation with the businesses here in town. And so we're right around 20 to 23%. Hmm. Okay. Uh, give, give our listeners a good story. If you can think, give us one really good one that you ended up getting. I know you did the jewelry store. You recovered a lot of money. But where you remember, you don't have to give us a suspect's name or anything. Give us a story. on how. Good heavens. Where to begin? Um, <laughs> <sighs> Come on now. You're the hero. You, you're over right. Mr. 1.5 million. <laughs> yeah, okay. So, all right. So I'll give you kind of a recent one. It happened this year um, with covid of course you know it's such a weird year um i had a family make a report with a local nursing home that their mother who was in their in the nursing home was obviously missing a ring and the way they figured that out was they were having window time with her Uh, as you can recall this last spring they weren't letting anybody into the nursing homes so they they were going to the windows and and talking to them that way and they noticed that she was not wearing her wedding ring and they said that in as long as I've known her, she's never taken that off. Right. So I did a, I got assigned to the investigation because I mean, it's obvious at that point, so there's a staff member who's taken the ring. Mm-hmm. Um, so I was able to obtain uh, a couple different names of the folks that were caring for this, this lady at the nursing home did one search in leads online and boom, there the ring was, um, and got it back the next day. Hmm. Just, that, got quick. It re- and just yet, that quick. Did you have a picture of it or just a description? Just a description. But it, the other thing was, it was direct match to the name that I'd been given for the healthcare worker. Oh, so they had to use their ID. Exactly. Oh, yeah. okay. I got right. you. Um, and, and that, that leads me to some more advice for those folks. If, if you got to put your, your loved ones into a care facility, don't let them take their jewelry. Uh, keep your, keep that jewelry with you. Um, ha- have some, give them some costume jewelry to wear if, if they want to have jewelry, but don't give them the real stuff mm-hmm. because that stuff comes up missing more than people know. And mm-hmm. it, it's just, it's just devastating to all involved, especially when I got to come in there and take people out in handcuffs in front of all their coworkers, in front of all these poor folks that are living there. Mm. Um, and, you know, and quite frankly, I'm not always successful in getting stuff back. Right. So, I mean, if you're, if your loved one is in a, in a care facility, keep the jewelry at home. Hmm. Okay. What do you tell people who have the uh, people coming into the home and home health care? Uh, stay with them at all times. Um, I just went through this on a personal level with my family. A family member had to have hospice in, and I I told the family, wherever that person goes, you stay with them. I don't care if they're going to the bathroom, if they're going back out to the car. You walk them to the door, you walk them back in. Don't let them out of your sight. And they followed my advice, and they're not missing anything. Hmm. Um, I, I 
in all these years, I've, I've kind of come up with a couple hard, fast rules. And, you, you know, the old saying, don't ever say always, because it's not always that way. But right. in, in my experience, it's either always the maid or always the home health care worker. Uh, in fact, those those are the two questions I ask folks when all of a sudden they're missing. They call me, you know, I've lost my ring. Uh-huh. Well, where could it, where, where'd you lose it? Well, I don't, I know it was in the house. Okay. Well, who's, who's your cleaning service? That's always my first question. Right. Second question is, okay, who's your home health care aid? And then it, it, it's either one of those two that there's that long pause after I ask that question. And I'm like, okay, who's, who's the business? Come on, tell me. Oh. <laughs> so I can make contact with them and wow. find out who's this person coming into these folks, into the Joneses' house, mm-hmm. who's now probably stolen their jewelry. Um, the other thing I always ask them is, okay, if you had a big family gathering recently where somebody you haven't seen in a long time showed up, hmm. because that weird, that weird cousin from out in the boondocks that you haven't seen in 10 years just all of a sudden arrives at the house for a dinner, <laughs> that's probably the person that took it. <laughs> Oh, man. Okay. I remember that one. Hey, okay, yeah. Someone's listening to us talk right now, and they're thinking, hey, that happened to me uh, X number of years ago, but they never reported it because they weren't sure. What are the chances of, or I think you said, what, three years is when they finally get rid of things? I can, well, actually, I, if it has a serial number um, and they report it, and if they reported it, it stays in NCIC for three years. Of course, if they've never reported it, then this is all brand new information to us. Now, I can search back from my desk five years. If I have to, I can search back further, but I have to actually call the company for them to get into their servers to find that information. Um, But in general, um, to be quite honest, if you're just now calling me to tell tell me that a couple years ago you had a theft, I'm sorry for your loss and have a great day. And then, and because there's nothing I can do at that point, I can't, I can't, I can probably find a transaction getting it back. There's no way, uh, mm-hmm. because it's been resold to somebody else and then given to somebody. It's gone through many hands at that point, and there's mm-hmm. no way to track it. Mm-hmm. Um, it the, the best thing to do is if you think you've had a loss, report it immediately. If you, if it turns out not to be, you can always call us back and say, Hey, sorry, I found it. And we'll take that stuff out of NCIC. No problem. Hmm. Okay. But report it immediately. Even if you think it's, you know, for the older folks out there, if you think your grandson's stealing from you, you still got to make a report. Even if you don't want to prosecute. And I always stress with folks prosecute. The only way they're going to learn to not do this is to get prosecuted. But if you're insistent that you're not going to prosecute, I still have to have a report to give to the pawn shop because there has to be a paper trail. Mm-hmm. Right. Uh, and, and, and even if you're not going to prosecute, um, there are ways we can get that stuff back to these folks um, uh, through a civil agreement between these folks and the, and the pawn shop. Hmm. Um, so I, I can facilitate that. However, I have to have a police report to point to uh, because pawn shops are one of the most heavily regulated businesses in this country um, because they're not only regulated as small businesses, they're also regulated as financial institutions because they issue loans. Ah. So in in the eyes of the state of Indiana, a pawn shop is the same as a bank. (laughs) So they have an, yeah, they have an entire, entire uh, different uh, statute that they have to be governed by besides my local ordinance or besides 
a you know what small amount of uh, regulation there is in the state statutes for pawn shops. Hmm. There's also financial things that they have to take care of. Um, the regulators from the state can walk in at any time and shut that business down. Hmm. Just okay. walk in, make everybody leave, and say you're closed until we say you can reopen. Okay. Yeah. So, did not know all of that. I'm, I'm, yeah, yeah. They, they, so they, it it pays for them to be cooperative with me because I've got the direct phone line to the guy who handles our area with the state for the State Department of Financial Institutions. Mm-hmm. All I had to do was call him. Hey, we got something going on up here. You need to get into this. <laughs> and he's up here the next day, and you know we'll we'll let you reopen when we're done, and that could be in a couple of weeks. So okay. Okay. I've, I've only had to do that once, and word got out quick, and they don't mess around anymore so hmm. okay well that that's good to know <laughs> okay yeah. all right um so the advice for people is if something happens they should first get a police report right yes okay and then you get involved once they report the like serial numbers or pictures of the items then it comes to you and then you start your search right okay yeah and i get i get information from the property crime sergeants the property crime detectives, um, our crime analysis folks. Um, some, sometimes these, these folks just call me the next day. You know, hey, I filed a report yesterday. Can you take a look at it? And I'll, I'll and I will. That's not a problem. I, that's that's what I'm there for. Mm-hmm. Um, I will tell tell folks out there if it's an outside agency or the or a prosecutor's office, I drop everything, and that's what I concentrate on because I'm helping another law enforcement agency. Um, I'm not forgetting about them, but I'm. I have to triage my cases here. Right. Some things I can do immediately. Some things it's going to be the long haul because I got to do a lot of backtrack. I got to, right. uh, we, and, and, and then on top of it, we got to find this person. So right. and in some cases it's easy. They've been locked up and all I got to do is walk over to the jail. And then other, <laughs> and then in other cases, it's like, well, we're going to need some help finding this. Person. Right. <laughs> right. Right. I get it. Now, when you started back in, uh, was it 1995? As a and patrolman, yeah. As a patrolman, and you're walking around out there, you're doing your thing on patrol. Did you ever think you would end up where you're at right now? Or did you even know this existed? Well, we didn't have this back then. Um, it, it, uh, this was one of those things back way back then. We were still telling folks to go look in pawn shops for their stuff. Um, we don't do that anymore. We haven't done that in a long time. Um, so folks don't, don't call around to the pawn shops. All they're going to do is tell you to call me. Um, and then you're out that time. Just let the, let the process work. Um, get, you've got your report made. If you have to, give me a call to have me take a look at it because not I'll be honest, not everything crosses my desk. Sometimes it gets lost in the shuffle between when you make the report and I find out about it. Hmm. Um, so don't go into the pawn shops because even though you think that's your TV that's sitting on the sales floor, they made more than one. <laughs> okay. <laughs> All right. And I can very, if it's by, if it's on the sales floor, it's been in that shop a long time. It's not just, they don't just take it in and then put it immediately back out on the sales floor. Um, they hold it for a period of time uh, to just in, in case I show up and say, Hey, that TV you just took in over here, that's stolen. Mm-hmm. Um, so that way they're not, they don't have to worry about, well, now we got to get our customer to bring it back and that kind of thing. Right. Um, so you, you might see a ring that's similar. It, if it's in the display case, chances are it's not yours, especially if it had, if this incident has happened very, very recently. Mm-hmm. Um, for example, cash America pawn, we have three of them in Fort Wayne, their company policies, they will hold all purchases of jewelry for 30 days. 
that so it's sitting in the vault for 30 days before okay. it even hits the sales floor and if you have a burglary on a tuesday you walk into a pawn in a cash america on thursday and think you see your ring that's not it ah okay good advice that's new too i'll be darned <laughs> so so uh, let me ask you this off off the subject here is everyone in your family healthy right now yeah yeah we're doing well doing well um I, i've got wife two kids been married 23 20 been together 23 been married 21 um we have a 26 year old that uh my wife brought into the relationship and then we have a young lady just turned 18 wow. so um we're we're getting ready to be empty nesters here pretty soon um <laughs> uh the the my better half is not doing well with that but uh she's adjusting to it right um right. and uh we're uh, just kind of looking forward to the day where i don't have to get up every day and strap on body armor and go into work every day um, <laughs> so, so how, how long before that do you know have you... Uh, we got about another eight years yeah. another eight years yes okay all right and did you have it marked on a calendar somewhere um i have it saved in my phone i have an app <laughs> <laughs> a little countdown yeah, an app. app. And, it does. It's a it's a countdown app. Um, oh my goodness, I was I, only I, kidding. <laughs> no, I, I do. I, I a guy I met at one of my conferences showed me it, and I said, "Oh, that's great!" And I downloaded it and set a date. It, it's adjusted a couple times. Um, it, it it was I was going to do a full thirty five years. Now I'm going to do thirty three. Okay. Um, just that was an adjustment I made uh, after a pretty intense talk with the other half and right. uh, so we're, so we're going to do eight more years and then we're gone okay all right do any plans after that did you do anything with pawn shops you're going to start your own business no no i'm gonna sit in my lazy boy and uh just enjoy <laughs> i'll probably pace the house for a few weeks before you know after i immediately turn my stuff in but um <laughs> but once i get that settled down i'll uh I'll, I'll just fall into retirement and hopefully enjoy some grandkids. Right, right. So police work has been good to you. Yes, it has. On the whole, it's been very good. Um, I, it's still a very rewarding career, even mm -hmm. with all the the side stuff that's going on right now. Right. Um, you know, I, I, I here's the thing. I, I've always treated people the way I want to be treated, mm -hmm. and that comes through when I'm dealing with folks. Um, so I, I'm, I'm not that stereotypical cop who you think is out just thumping people and violating everybody's rights. I, I'm that guy who, A, I want to have a good resolution to your incident. Mm -hmm. um, I mean, there, there's been some cases I've, I've laid in bed at night staring at the ceiling thinking about them. So, I mean, I take this to heart. I, I really care about my job and my mm -hmm. victims and the, the possibility of, returning something to somebody especially something with a lot of sentimental value mm -hmm. is always a jazz to me um i i hear when i call folks all the time or when i call folks and tell them hey i'm calling about this incident you reported back whenever and they'll say okay and then i'll say would you like it back oh geez <laughs> and they oh my god you found it I, I hear that so many times <laughs> and i always get a big smile on my face when i hear that <laughs> oh. um just because i i've just now made that person's day i mean not only their day probably their entire week month whatever <laughs> um i've seen a lot of a lot of tears people when i when i hand grandma's ring back to them oh, yeah. um yeah. and it's and some of these items i return myself um, normally we set, we put it in the property room, let the property room return it. it mm -hmm. It's just more convenient for us. That way we can move on to the next case. Oh, in 
some cases, I will personally go to that the, that victim, that victim's family, and turn that that item over to them because I want to see the reaction. Yeah. You know, it, it, and that you know, then that make, just makes me want to come to work that much better the, the next day. So you you may end up doing more than eight years. You keep that up. <laughs> well, we'll see. I think, uh, I, like I said, I think the other half is uh, she's put her foot down and she says, "You are by God retiring on this date." So. <laughs> well, you better listen. <laughs> yes. Oh, yes. <laughs> well, real quick, I want to ask you something, and you can kind of end it on this because I mean, you've been doing a lot in your career. What would you tell a young person who's thinking about becoming a police officer? What advice would you have for them? If you if that's what you truly feel you want to do, do it. Um, don't f- just sit back and think about well, all this is going on. I hear this, I hear that. If you think you want a job in law enforcement, you want a career in law enforcement, do it. You'll find out soon enough if it is for you or not, and you can always resign. Um, and then you can take that skill set into the business world, and people will hire you like that. Um, once you're in that career, if it becomes a point where, like in my case, there, there, there were certain things that uh, were going on in my career where it was time for me to move to a different part of the department, find something different within the agency to do to jumpstart your love for your job. And that's what happened with me. I came off the street, saw an entirely different part of the, of the law enforcement I never even knew existed and just really rejumped um, my drive to become, to continue to be a police officer and to be a better police officer. Um, but if, if you think, I, I can't say it enough, if a young person out there thinks they want a job in law enforcement, do it. Don't hesitate. Do it. At least give it a shot. And again, if if it's not something that's going to be cut out for you, you'll find out soon enough. Hmm. Okay. All righty. Detective Joe Lyon, I do appreciate you taking the time. I mean, I've known you a long time. I kind of knew what you did, but I really didn't. I just knew, hey, whenever I called you, hey, can you find somebody or someone or something for me is all I ever said to you. I didn't know how uh, detailed you did all this stuff, but uh, my goodness, that that's some good stuff. That is some yeah, good I've, stuff. I've, I've, you know, like Cleveland, I've learned, you know, if – if all I'm, if I'm getting information from a third party, like for what you do, and all of a sudden you've got information from family of somebody else that something might be missing. When we've done that, I've always asked for just a little bit better description if mm-hmm. you've got it. Yeah. And then while you're, while we're talking on the phone, I'm running wildcard searches in leads online. Mm-hmm. So I've, I've done it long enough. I know different phrases to use in the search engine i know different uh descriptors i can use to try to find things right um and then we go from there and we've had quite a bit of success oh yeah yeah you're good i can tell you you're good at what you do okay <laughs> i just remember the other guy we're not going to bring his name up but you're no, good at no. what you do <laughs> yeah you know and you know remember how I, I i said earlier i was i was i treat people the way i want to be treated right i translated that into the pawn detail and that was entirely foreign to them they had they didn't understand that concept because the guy who had my job before it didn't do that he and nothing i mean that's just the way he was i mean i'm 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 not going to say anything bad about the man He's, he did a full career he had a good career but he was pretty much the polar opposite of me <laughs> so <laughs> that's enough said okay <laughs> yeah yeah so so now when i call and say hey it's joe uh, right you know the first question is hey how you doing 
And then how's your family? I mean, we, we have a personal conversation before right. we even get into why I'm calling. So it, it's, yeah. <laughs> yeah. All righty. All righty. I do, again, I appreciate it. And folks, if, and you're listening to this, if you lose something or you think you lost it, go ahead and get a report. I mean, if you got Detective uh, Lyons on your case, he'll go ahead and look for it, and he may find it, and don't give up. He's your guy. He's your go-to guy, and he's there for you. So, uh, Joe, I really appreciate it, and I, I wish you Cleveland. nothing. Yeah. Cleveland, it's been my pleasure. And, folks, if you, if you think you might have lost something, 427-1201 and ask for the bond detail. Well, man, you got to throw out the, the uh, area code. This goes around the world, baby. Oh, People don't okay. <laughs> 260-427-2235 is my direct line. I prefer calls from 1201, but I will answer my phone. Uh, if I'm there, I will answer my phone. Uh, so, yeah, 260-427-1201 is the uh, main Detective Bureau desk line. And just ask for the pawn detail. All righty. Thank you, sir. And, hey, make sure you say hey to your family, okay, and stay safe out there, all right? You too, Cleveland. All right. And, uh, Go ahead. We'll, we'll see you later on down the line. All right. Folks, thanks for listening in to Police Pod Talk. We will catch you next week. Thanks again for hanging out with us. Remember, you can always go to policepodtalk at gmail.com or check us out on Facebook at Cleveland Junior or Police Pod Talk. Thanks again. We'll see you next week.